You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. Verse 10, it says, Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, Oh, yes, there he is. The reason I'm saying that is because Saul's so good looking. He's a dashing fellow. He's Gaston. Yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. Verse 13, as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. I love this. You know, this just jumped out at me, that they won't eat until Samuel comes and and does his duty to bless the sacrifice. But we have a a tradition, don't we? Uh, We pray before we eat as Christians, especially dinner for some reason. (laughs) Sometimes we don't pray for breakfast or lunch, but we always pray for dinner. Hopefully, we just, you know, make a tradition of praying regularly to the Lord, and that's the important part of it. But this is scriptural, to pray over your food. So I want to share some scriptures with you on this. I thought this would be a fun little detour. So Genesis 9-3, it says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And this is God speaking to Noah after he's coming off of the ark. I have given you all things. I, says the Lord, have given you all things. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. It all belongs to him. Anything that we have, including the food that we're about to eat at any given time, belongs to him and comes from him. It's a gift from him. And so Matthew 14, 19, we see an an example of Jesus blessing the food before they eat. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Maybe it's the 4,000? I can't remember. It says, Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. In another gospel, it says, He gave thanks. He gave thanks. So we should give thanks for the food that God provides to us. And we should bless it because you never know. It, you might get food poisoning. Our, <laughs> our uh, pastor in Colorado told this hilarious story about how he got food poisoning. And it made him so sick. And then he got better. And the next time he went out to eat with some friends, they said, hey, Pastor Todd, could you pray for the meal? He said it was the most impassioned prayer over food that anybody has ever given. As he's like, oh, God, bless this food and rebuke the bugs and this and that. I thought that was hilarious. And so we get this example from Jesus. 
Now, in Acts 27, uh, 35, this is before, um, just before being shipwrecked, the Apostle Paul is, is noticing that these sailors who are just trying to keep the ship from sinking and keep it afloat, and they haven't rested and they haven't taken in nourishment. And so, these are heathens. These are people who are non-Christians. He says, and when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. You see the witness that he gives here as he begins to break the bread and he gave thanks in the presence of them all. When you go out to eat, what a great opportunity for you to be a witness to those around you. Just as they see you saying, hey, before we eat, let's pray. And someone says a prayer right there at the table in public in the presence of them all. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. It doesn't have to be real loud. Oh, Jesus, help everybody in this restaurant to come to you. But just thank you for this food, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. And people just see it and they go, oh, there's a Christian family. And then the waitress comes along and you say, come on, you burnt my toast. What's wrong with you? There goes your witness. <laughs> and so hopefully it'll, it helps us, right, to go, you know what? Yeah, we're Christians, and we've just made that known, so let's leave a big tip. <laughs> and let's, let's, let's be kind, kind-hearted. Let's act like Christians, right? If we're going to be out there in the world, it's what we should be doing anyway. But it's a great reminder. And so the Apostle Paul does that, and it's an example to us. 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says, For every creature of God is good. Talking about good for food. And nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer and prayer. So pray over your food. Verse 14. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 9. So they went up to the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Don't you just love God's incredible timing, impeccable timing? Samuel's coming out as they are coming up. Verse 15, now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. You just feel the heart of God here in his words. He cares. The people are crying out to him and he hears their cry. He's attentive to them. And I love how Samuel has spoken to God. He didn't remember. He said, hey, far be it from me that I should not pray for you guys anymore. He prays, and God replies, and God looks upon his people, and he hears their cry. Verse 17, so when Samuel saw Saul, I always love reading that in the Bible, saw Saul, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. 
Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? And so it's interesting here that Saul doesn't readily recognize Samuel as a seer. Remember, he's really old at this time. We don't know how he dressed. He seems like a real down-to-earth kind of person to me, though. And so he, he's not recognizable as, oh, he doesn't walk around with an aura of light around his head, you know. It's Saint Samuel. He's just a regular guy. And he's like, hey, have you seen the seer? In verse 17, so when Sam, oh, we already read that. I just wanted to read it again. Saw Saul. Verse 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? Saul's head must have been spinning at this moment. He didn't even have a chance to offer their coin that they found. (laughs) He didn't have a chance to say, oh, you know, thank you for seeing me. Can we go meet now in in your special room or whatever, and you can do your incantations and figure out where my donkeys are? It was just like, boom! Samuel's like, let's get down to business, buddy. And tells him, yeah, we found your donkeys. I know all about that. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. And by the way, you're going to be the next king of Israel, the first king of Israel. Woo! And so I just imagine the blood running from Saul's face at this moment as he's just like, this is incredible and what's happening. And Samuel begins to give directives to the king. A king must first learn submission to God. It's first church and then it's state. And he speaks of those donkeys before Saul even asks about the donkeys. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, next scripture, it says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Isn't this a great example of that in the Old Testament? Of here Saul's coming with this need and wanting to find his three lost donkeys. And Samuel just says, hey, I already know about the donkeys. You don't have to tell me about that. It's taken care of. And it's also secondary. It's it's carnal. It's worldly. It's material. It's physical. I've got a deeper thing for you. I've got something greater for you. And so even though Saul is coming to Samuel with a carnal need, Samuel's going to come back at him with a much greater thing, a much greater thing, how God will surprise us when we think, hey, you know, the donkeys are lost. Oh, I took a wrong turn. God used their blunder to bring Saul and Samuel together for this very important divine appointment. And so you can be at peace with your blunders and your mistakes. I won't get into it, but I made a pretty big one recently. And so I'm just like, Lord, I'm trusting you. Trusting you with this. So when it all works out, I'll tell you about it. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And, um, and so anyway, God uses even the blunders uh, for his good because all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I also love this because 
I see a picture of the death and resurrection here as the, you know, and only because of the three days, right? He loses his donkeys, and then for three days he looks for them. He loses all hope and thinks it's over, and then he gets his donkeys back. It's a stretch, I know, but you know what? That, that's what happened with the disciples, so let's make the New Testament connection here. They lost their Jesus. They thought they lost their Jesus. Third day, he ain't dead. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. He finds out instead that he's going to be the next king of Israel. You never know what's going to come of your lost donkeys, of those disappointments, of those failures, of the, Lord, why this? Why that? You see, he's doing a work. He turns it to good. He always does. Trust him, friends. Let's trust him together. Amen. Remember the story of Joseph, how he was in prison, and he woke up one morning after being a couple years in prison. He woke up in prison, and that night he went to bed wealthy, powerful, and the second in command of the kingdom of Egypt. How God can flip a thing so quickly, and so we can trust him through all life circumstances. Verse 21, verse 21, and Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? He's perplexed. Why me? Why me? I'm, I'm a Benjamite. We're just from the, as, as far as square, you know, footage, <laughs> acreage, whatever. Benjamin was the smallest of the tribes, population-wise, the smallest of the tribes. His family, he's stating here, the smallest, although we've gotten indication that Kish was a powerful man. But he's perplexed. He's like, why me? Now, this could be humility, which is great, right? Who am I? Right, like Mary saying, who am I, Lord, that you would bless me with carrying the Messiah? Who am I? King David, who am I and who's my family? That we should be the ones to, to be, you know, to have the Messiah come from my lineage. Who am I, Lord? And so that would be great if his heart is in this place at this time, and, and it could be. But, but there is a difficult, you know, differentiation between humility and insecurity. It sometimes is hard to tell the difference if someone is just like, gosh, I, I'm so undeserving of this. Or if someone is like, what if I fail? What if I can't do it? What if I look bad? What if something happens to my reputation? You see? Instead of just, well, I'm undeserving of this, but I serve a mighty God. And so my confidence is in him. And so there's a difference between being humble, recognizing who you are in comparison to who God is, right? And being insecure, which really comes from selfishness and from lack of faith and lack of confidence in the Lord in what he can do. Insecure. God is our security. 
I think that we are all insecure to a degree because we're fleshy people. I know I am insecure, but it doesn't make it right. We're also all prideful, and God hates that. He hates pride, but we all have it. This is why Jesus died for humanity, and so what we do is we say, Lord, take what's in me that everybody else has too and help me to do better with it. Help me to come out of that insecurity. Help me to be more secure in my ministry. Help me when, uh, you know, you're calling me to go share with someone or you, whatever it is. I don't want to even, you know, because some people are like, oh, I'm not sharing. Oh, no, what do I do? You know, whatever God's calling you to. You know what I'm talking about when you have the feeling of insecurity. What if I fail? What, you know, God's saying, hey, come teach Sunday school. And you're like, ah, the kids, they're all going to laugh at me and go, oh, he's an old person. You know, that's insecurity. Humility is, Lord, who am I that you would call me to such an incredible ministry of sharing with children? I don't deserve it. But God, you can do it in me. And this is what you're calling me to. So I'm going to step into it. And I'm going to push past the insecurity because I love these kids that you're calling me to minister to, you see? And then God will give you more and more confidence in him as you see him come through, come through, come through. And it is beautiful when we see someone who's confident in the Lord in their ministry or we see someone grow in that confidence in the Lord. You know, and that's a good thing. We all want to grow. I want to be able to say five years from now, I want you guys to go, boy, you know, five years ago, Pastor James was up there and he started to fumble a little bit when he got quiet or he lost his place, but now he don't care because his confidence is in Jesus, you see? That's what I want. Let's grow in the Lord. Let's grow in confidence in the Lord and let's not be held back and encumbered by insecurity by self-focus and self-worry and self-preservation, fear of failure, when God says, I'm with you, go, take the land. I've got this. And we say, yes, Lord. And we step out in faith, in Jesus' name. And so do I know whether this was humility on Saul's part or insecurity? I don't really know for sure. But as we see his life progress, we see all kinds of insecurity. It's going to come out as, as in story after story with King Saul. He's an insecure man or becomes that way. And so we need to humble ourselves. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And perhaps this was an act of humility or words of humility on his part because the very next verse, verse 22, says, Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall. So he's going to this big banquet hall where they had this sacrifice and Samuel blessed it and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. So the cook took up the the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. Now, I, I just had to pause there when I read this and go, Lord, is there anything here with this thigh? 
because we just recently learned that it's the thigh that the high priest gets in the priestly family. The, the, the thigh of the sacrifice belongs to the priests. But it says in the Bible that it's the, the right thigh that the priest gets. So that made me, we're getting into speculation here, friends, speculate that this was probably the left thigh that was given to Saul. I found that interesting because Saul is now representative of the state, the government. And, and the, of course, the priesthood is the church. And so you have the church and the state. And that could be totally wrong. It's all speculation. But isn't it fun? And so it says, and Samuel said, here it is. What was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you. Since I said, I invited the people. And so Samuel knew that, that God would, would be sending this king. Samuel knew things, man. <laughs> he, had a, he was in with God, right? Not as much as Jesus was in with God. Jesus had all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit without measure. Constant communion with the Father. He didn't even speak unless the Father said, speak. But you see, Jesus was the ultimate prophet in this sense. Of course, he was the Son of God. And so Saul ate with Samuel that day. Verse 25, as we wrap up, when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. Seems odd, but there in the Middle East, they spent a lot of time on top of their homes. They even built a little temporary shelter. If you're from Newport Beach, you know, you know, on the beach, and you see all these little, like, on top of the house, there's a balcony and stuff. Verse 26, they arose early, and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on top of the house, saying, get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And so I picture the old man with the young man walking along the way. I picture King Arthur and Merlin is what I picture. And so then it says in verse 27, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. So it's going to be a private moment here between Samuel and Saul. And he went on, but he says, but you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. Whoa, guys, can you imagine if Billy Graham came to visit and he singled you out and he said, everybody leave except you, Uta, picking on Uta today. <laughs> I have a word of God for you, Uta. And of course, we're in the New Testament times. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Anybody who wants to, God will speak to us personally. Back then, that wasn't the case. And for Saul, this is like, what? God? God's gonna, you have a word for me from God? This isn't, what is going on here? And so Samuel says, though, you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. It's so important for us to take that time to stand before the Lord and hear his word. Our devotion time, our prayer time, our time in the Word. We need it, friends. We need to take this command to, to heart every single day. Every day. Stand a while and let God announce His Word to us. 
We're not going to get into what that word is this week, so make sure you come next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for your word tonight. Oh, it's so good to be in your word. So good to hear from you, Lord. Help us to put, put the positive things into practice, Lord. We pray that you would be our confidence, especially in these days where people need to see confidence in the Lord, in the Lord. We pray that we would be humble and always recognize where that confidence comes from, and that confidence is not in self. It's not about self-esteem, self-worth, self this and self that, but it's about selfless, God more. And so we pray that our lives would give you glory, Lord, through our confidence in you, and as we step out in faith and do what you call us to do, Lord God, rebuke fear, we pray. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you now in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.